Dr. Shantae, and welcome to Believe in Bigger Podcast. So we have made it to episode 16. Man, I'm a little bit sad. We got six episodes left and it's a wrap. That just goes to show how fast this year is flying. I went into Costco the other day and they had the Christmas trees up. I said, dang, is it that time already? Apparently it is. And I think that because we've had mild weather, it has kind of lulled us into that false sense of it's still summertime, but it's really not. Um, Thanksgiving is literally next month. Okay, so here we are at episode 16, and we are going to be talking about faith misplaced, or an alternate title for this episode could be what happened. And you'll see what I mean by that momentarily. And so our guiding thought comes from Matthew 17, 18 through 20. And it says, then Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of the boy and he was healed from that moment. Afterwards, the disciples came to Jesus privately and asked, why couldn't we drive it out? Verse 20 says, because you have so little faith. He answered, for truly, I tell you, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. So here we're talking about faith misplaced. Number one, we're talking about getting comfortable. Number two, divine embarrassment. God will expose you. And number three, properly placed faith. So here we go. Getting comfortable. Let's have a conversation for a minute. Listeners, believers, influencers, entrepreneurs, brand builders, and platform builders. Let's talk about past success. Many of us have had success at various things in the past. And with success comes accolades. You know what accolades are? Girl, you did that. Yes, I love that. You know, you praise, okay? With success comes praise. And with praise and accolades comes reputation because when you have done that, girl, you did that. Then people go tell other people that you did that. So so with praise comes reputation and with reputation comes demand. So now that other people know that you got it going on, now people are calling you and they want you to come and do that thing for them. Okay, so there's the demand. And with demand comes confidence. Okay, you get to, you know, you're feeling yourself a little bit because, you know, you did that thing. Okay, so comes confidence. And with confidence comes security and with security we can find ourselves overly relying on our gifts, talents, and abilities. See how that happened? A little success. How many of you have known people like that? They had a little bit of success and then all of a sudden, they think they the end all be all, right? So the disciples had a reputation. How do I know this? Because the scripture says in 15, 16 of the same chapter, it says a man came to them okay so they were in a crowd of people a multitude and a man whose son was suffering from seizures verse 15 says lord talking to jesus have mercy on my son he said he has seizures and is suffering greatly he often falls into the fire or into the water i brought him to your disciples but they could not heal him and so the disciples were a part of jesus ministry And people had seen them perform the same kinds of feats that Jesus did, specifically casting out demons. I've told you guys in many episodes before, Jesus went, Jesus originated the term going viral. They followed him everywhere he went, 
because people knew that he could heal. He had these abilities to heal. And so because he was apprenticing these disciples, they also, okay, through the power of God, were healing people and casting out demons. And so the disciples had a reputation because the man said, I brought my son to your people, but they couldn't do nothing for him. So that establishes that they had a reputation. So let me ask you this. How often do we find ourselves tasked with something that we've been asked to do many times before? And because we've had success in the past, we readily assume that this next time, it's cake. I got this. No problem. And so sometimes when we get comfortable like that, we don't prepare as thoroughly as we would prepare if it was our first time. We don't study the particulars the same way we would as if it were the first time. We use something old and try to put a new veneer on top of it. Okay, you'd be surprised how many times I get complaints from clients about graphic designers that they've used and they'd be like, hold up, I hired so-and-so to do something and my something looked just like Sally Sue's something. So they use something old and try to put a new veneer on top of it. And, and we don't pray like we used to pray. When it was our first time doing something, we prayed and we said, Lord, give me and Lord, help me and Lord, be with me. We don't think like we used to think, Lord, thank you so much for this opportunity. Lord, I'm so grateful. Just go with me. We don't think like we used to think. Once we didn't got ourselves a little reputation, once somebody said, you do that, girl, you done did that, oh, honey, you got it going on, we get a little lax. We come routine and we get comfortable. Am I lying? Okay, there we go. Which brings us to divine embarrassment. Verse 19, then the disciples came to Jesus in private. They came to Jesus on the low and asked, why couldn't we drive it out? I want you to notice, okay, in Matthew 17, the man brought his son before Jesus and there was a crowd. Why? Because Jesus couldn't go nowhere without a crowd. I halfway believe that the disciples were kind of like on the uh, bodyguards because think about it. Beyonce can't just go to the mall. Taraji just can't go to Jewel and buy her greens. Okay, like as soon as somebody sees her, soon as they get mobbed. Okay, like people just surround them. Chance the Rapper, bless his heart. If he, <laughs> if he go anywhere in Chicago, folks going to be on him like white on rice. Can't just go. And that's how it was with Jesus. He was so well known that he couldn't go anywhere without a crowd. And so I want you to notice when the man brought his son to Jesus, they were in front of the crowd. But when they wanted to know why they couldn't cast him out, it says the Bible says they came to him privately. They came to him on the low. Their egos were hurt. They did not understand why after having had so much success in the past, why they could not cast out this demon. And I want you to know that this can happen to us. We've had success in the past, and then all of a sudden, we asked to give a speech, and it bombs. We asked to sing a solo, a song we didn't sang a million times before, and all of a sudden, it's just not there like it used to be there, okay? All of a sudden, we've been doing good work, and we have some success, and we get a reputation, and then clients start complaining about our work, or we get a bad review, or we have to give somebody a refund because they're not satisfied with the quality of the service. This happens all the time. And when it does, you know, we're, we're embarrassed. We're feeling some kind of way 
about that. And Jesus says, you unbelieving and perverse generation, Jesus replied. He says, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of the boy and he was healed instantly. He was healed at that moment. And so why could Jesus do it, but they could not do it? For one thing, when we're talking about divine embarrassment, number one, to demonstrate that apart from him, we can do nothing. Sometimes we get to feeling confident and placing our faith in our own strength and our own gifts. And then we walk out there like, I got this. No, he got this. And sometimes we lose sight of that. And so why could Jesus do it? To let the disciples know. You know, like we say, sometimes you just got to let them folks know. Sometimes you just got to let them know. He let them know. Okay. You can't do nothing outside of me. To ex- and to expose the, d- the disciples' misplaced faith. He said, I want you to know that not only can you not do this without me, but I want you to know where your head was at. I want to expose what you were thinking. I want to expose how you approach this. Okay. Number three, why could Jesus do it? But they couldn't to demonstrate the power of God to work through us rather than through our own power. And here when Jesus says, you unbelieving and perverse generation, I know when we think about the word perverted, we think like, oh, like pervert. Okay. But the word perverted, perverse, it really means something that is twisted or turned from its proper direction. In other words, so when you are, people are are perverted and they're looking at people a certain way, it's like, wait a minute, that's not how you should be looking at that person. They are twisted or turned from their proper direction. In other words, in this case, the disciples' faith was twisted. It was turned from its proper direction because in everything at all times, our faith should always be towards God and God alone. But in this case, it was demons, shmemons. I got this. He said, okay, we'll see. (laughs) They had turned to their own abilities to cast out the demons instead of turning to their faith in God and his power to heal. And Jesus says, how long shall I put up with you? Can you imagine Jesus saying that? My feelings would be hurt. They would. I'm not going to lie. I would be in my feelings at that moment. He said, how long shall I put up with you? He says, how long, basically, how long until you recognize who's really in control? Believers, how long until you realize who's really running the show? How long until you realize who's really pulling the strings? How long until you turn your faith from what man can do to what God can do? Because I always make the joke. I'm like, you waiting for Oprah to call? You waiting for that one person, that one gatekeeper, that that person that is the end all be all to make it happen for you? That person can't make it happen for you because God could call that person home to glory tomorrow. And then what? Then what? He said, how long you going to keep looking at man instead of looking at me? He said, how long shall I deal with your cries of disappointment when things don't turn out as you hoped that they would because you didn't seek me in the first place? We like God to kind of like co-sign, you know? It's like, Lord, I'm in the driver's seat. I'm gonna just need you to, to ride right here and just, you know, be a passenger along my journey. And God is like, okay, I'm gonna show you. Okay, I'm gonna show you. I'm gonna show you better than I can tell you. And when you do that, God will expose you as an act of tough love. He will expose you. You know why? Because failure will humble you. 
won't it? When you get embarrassed, you uh you take a step back and you start to reevaluate some things, don't you? And so Jesus said, he replied, because you have so little faith, truly I tell you. Now I want you, let's put this in perspective. He said, because you have so little faith. Let's take a moment here. Let's take a beat. Where were the disciples? With Jesus. Do you get that? We don't have that. Jesus is at the right hand of the Father, praying and intercessing on our behalf. But the disciples were, just like we had all in this same room together, the disciples were with Jesus. And Jesus said to them, because you have so little faith. That is mind boggling that you could be with him and still not believe. This is why just because you go to church on Sunday mornings or bedside Baptist and watch from your television, however you choose to do, just because you do that with regularity and routine and uniformity does not mean that you have faith. You just showing up and you occupying space because somewhere in your spirit, I guess that's what I'm supposed to do. And that's just real. So he said, because you have so little faith, truly I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, and we like to take that one too, if you just have mustard seed faith in God, not yourself, not in your dream, not in, in this thing that you want to do in God, okay? You can say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Believers, let me just tell you, I love you, but your talent is not sufficient. Your technique it's cold, but it's not sufficient. Talent and technique plus faith in God's power to accomplish greatness with your talent equals success. Philippians 2.13 says, For it is God who works in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. Not what you want to do. Not so people can continue to say, girl, you did that. You got it going on, girl. You better go ahead with your bad self. Ooh, 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 ooh. Uh-uh. That's not how this works. He says to will and to do what, what he wants you to do, not what you want to do. And Mark 9, 21, the same. So you notice in the Gospels in the New Testament, they tell like the same story over and over from different perspectives, right? So we were in Matthew and now we're in Mark. Mark says, so when the disciples came to him and said, well, why couldn't we do it? Why couldn't we cast him out? Jesus says, according to Mark, this kind, this kind of demon, okay, this kind of situation can come forth by nothing but prayer and fasting. A lot of times, believers, we want God to do something. We want to do these drive-by prayers. Lord, do it. I know you can do it. Okay, Lord, let's do it, do it, do it. Break. You know, like we in the huddle. Like, like, you know, like, okay, got to go to work. Let's just do it. Let's go. Like, okay, God, I believe you, Jesus. Amen. Let's do it. Break. We want to do these drive-by prayers. But I want you to think about the magnitude of what you really want God to do in your life. I want you to think about the, the magnitude of how you want him to change your situation from where you are to where you want him to take you. And you're going to do a drive-by prayer? I want you to think about, this boggles me. There's a book, Outliers, by Malcolm Gladwell. Good book. Very good book. Because Malcolm Gladwell challenges this premise. He said, well, when people ask questions like, well, how does Beyonce become Beyonce? And how, and how does, you know, Steve Jobs become Steve Jobs? And, and, and how's that? And people say these really pedestrian answers like, because she's talented. Because he's smart. 
And Malcolm Gladwell scratched his head and said, you know how many talented people there are in the world? Because don't get me wrong. Hey, Beyonce, do your thing, girl. But do you know how many people can sing better than Beyonce? Real talk. Probably some go to your church. Okay. Um, you know how many smart guys there are in the world that ain't worth Steve Jobs type money? So Malcolm Gladwell said, no, there's something, some other social forces in the mix. And let me go and find out what those things are, because it's more than just, oh, she's smarter. Oh, he's he's talented and things like that. So I want you to think about how many talented people there are in the world that can do what you do. And in a number of cases, do it better than you can do it. And I want you to think about the obstacles and the odds that are stacked against you. Think about the odds. If you're black in America, think about the odds, okay? Real talk that are stacked against you and some of the things that you have to contend with. And this kind of success, the thing that you want God to do in your life, that kind can only come forth by nothing but prayer and fasting. You know what fasting means? You're going to have to give something up. You're going to have to give something up that you really like, that you love. You're going to have to spend your Sunday nights a different way. You're going to have to spend your waking up mornings a different way. Instead of reaching for your phone, you might have to reach for the word. He said the kind of success that you want ain't going to be accomplished with no drive-by prayer. It's going to take a little bit more than that. You're going to have to pray and you're going to have to give something up to the point of sacrifice. These kinds of obstacles that you face and the kind of odds that are stacked against you, this kind can come forth by nothing but prayer and fasting. So properly placed faith means that faith has to be the center. Believers, entrepreneurs, influencers, whatever it is that you have endeavored in your mind to do, and you got it all laid out, you done made your list and you done checked it twice. If you look at your list of things to do and prayer and faith in God is not somewhere on that list, I'm telling you, you have missed the mark. You have missed the boat. Part of your strategy is, okay, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to start here and then that's going to develop this piece of it and then that's going to develop that component and then I'm going to connect with that person and that person is going to open up this door and that door. Uh-huh. Where's the Lord in that plan? On your list of things to do, if I open up your pretty spiral notebook, will I see him there? And if I don't, you will be having a conversation with Jesus. Why couldn't I cast it out? <laughs> Why couldn't I get that promotion? Why couldn't I get that opportunity? Why couldn't I? And he'll be looking at you because you don't have faith. Because you don't have faith because your faith was misplaced. And so I want to encourage you, uh, believers, Proverbs 16, 18 says, Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. And a lot of times we don't think we have pride, but we need to examine ourselves and make sure that we're exercising humility. Hold fast to God throughout the journey, not just in the beginning, because in the beginning, you know, me and Jesus, it's like my buddy and me like, yes, OK, Lord. But then once we start to have a little bit of success, you know, God is like, hey, 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 remember me? What, what are we doing? Failure humbles us. Embarrassment humbles us. And so when those moments come, I want you to thank God for the lesson in failure. There's always a lesson in failure. And make sure that you are thankful for the lesson rather than using it as an opportunity for self-pity because God is not interested in that. When you're done crying your tears and in your feelings, you're like, okay, now let's, let's come back. Let's circle back and get it together. Let's get things back in alignment. Because believe me, and here's a blessing. Here's a hallelujah moment for you. 
If God is trying to get your attention, it means he cares enough to want your attention. Think about that. Because really, at any given time, God could say, I'm done with you. I'm done with you. And in some cases, he will. Romans 1 talks about how God will give people over to a reprobate mind, a depraved mind. He's like, look, when I done begged and pleaded and I done stood at the door and I done knocked and I done knocked and I done knocked and you done content to go your own way, the Bible says God will let you go your own way. But if you are in a place right now where you are having some failures and some stumbles and things like that and God is trying to get your attention, I forget who said it, but I have for years, I have always remembered that God will always allow a few pebbles to come through to your window before the brick come flying through. That's real talk. Think about every time you've been you face some dire situation. You cannot tell me that God did not give you some clues before it got to DEFCON 1. OK, before it got to like, whoa, what are we doing? He was trying to get your attention. And then you ignored all the signs and the brick came flying through and then you were embarrassed or you failed or it cost you something. So now it's your turn. What are your biggest takeaways from this episode? I think my biggest takeaway was um, it was more of confirmation of just how you have to be sure that your faith is in the right place. I think we live in a, a time where everybody talks about the grind and the hustle and you know we don't sleep right team no sleep and all that stuff and if you're not careful your faith can be really placed in your talent or your gift or your idea or whatever you know whatever you got going on and for me I think that over time you know with maturity I have learned that your faith has to be consistently in Christ and God consistently because like you said there are times there we you know in the beginning we you know holding on to his unchanging hand and then when it gets good it's like I you know right 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 right. and then you know like you said God will give us some things to show us like okay your faith is in that talent or in your praise or anything like that so I've learned you know to be very humble and to My center is with him rather than, you know, my talent. Thank you for saying the key word consistently, because we can do anything for a little while. okay? but consistently means that when you feel like it and when you don't, that's when the Bible says pray in season and out of season when it's popular and when it's not, you continue to do what God has called you to do. For me, um, I'm a mother of three. So every time I read scripture, I look at Jesus as daddy God because he's teaching me how to parent. And so in this scripture that you used, it was very much like him talking to my children. I told you (laughs) to do it this way. You're getting all big. You think you're old. Now my oldest is about to be eight. And she's very much, oh, well, mom, I am big enough. I am strong, you know. And me and her father sometimes see like she's going to fall. She, you know, she's not going to make it the way she thinks she's making, whatever the situation is. And when the disciples came to him, well, how come? He chastised them, absolutely. You know, he told them where they were wrong at, absolutely. But then he corrected them lovingly. If you have faith, like a mustard seed, then you can move a mountain. He gave them the answer, like a dad would do, just very lovingly. And then move them out the way. Now watch me work. So when I'm gone, because how long I'm not going to be, I have to go back up. So when I'm gone, you know. And then Mark confirmed it and let us know another side. He gave them more revelation on how to deal with this issue fast and pray 
And so um, that stood out to me as mommy, yes, but then as my own believing self about how much my daddy loves me to always just, even though I'm corrected, even though I'm chastised, he has the answer. So let me go ahead and ask. Let me go ahead and get embarrassed. Let him tell me, listen, you did not do it the way I told you to. I've told you to fast. I've told you to pray. I told you to be fishers of men. I told you to seek me. Let me show you how to do it. So um, that stood out to me. A couple of things I want to say about what you just said. You know, as adults, now we are grown. Grown is out your parents' house, paying your own bills. But there was a time before we got grown where we thought we was grown. We was grown-ish, okay? And our parents, our, our guardians said, oh, you think you grown? Like, okay, Miss Grown Thing, you go ahead. And they let you fall. They allow you to have some embarrassment so that you can come back with loving correction, usually. Sometimes, you know, your family be like, well, I told you. You know, you know fat, fat meat, you don't believe fat meat is greasy, you know. It ain't always loving, you know, but, but their hearts are in the right place. Um, another thing that you said is that, you know, so that when Jesus left the scene. So if you read the entire book of Acts, Acts is the Acts of the Apostles, meaning everything that Jesus was doing, they were doing once he left off the scene, okay? They were healing the sick and they were giving sight to the blind and they were casting out demons, but it did require that loving, tough love correction in order for them to do that. So believers, if you have any questions, comments, takeaways, you know I love you at Dr. Shante Says on Twitter and Instagram and I will see you next time. Thank you for listening to Believing Bigger with Dr. Shante. If you have any questions, comments, or just want to follow Dr. Shante, you can find her on Twitter and Instagram at Dr. Shante Says. Until next time, keep on believing bigger.